My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. We've created a free self-care checklist and it's ready for you to download today. On the checklist, you'll find 50 brand new ideas to practice self-care. And it's not just bubble baths. Download the free checklist today and be reminded of the importance of practicing self-care. Head to the merrymakersisters.com forward slash self-care. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode 329 on the Get Married Podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because it's another yoga philosophy episode, Ooh. which is fun. We did them, we did a few back in the 200s, didn't we? I, I can't even remember what they are. We should add the links to our yoga <laughs> philosophy uh, podcast. We will. Yeah, I think there was like three that we did or maybe two. I can't remember. But I am excited because today we are going to be talking about the eight limbs of yoga. So this is uh, the eight limbs of Ashtanga yoga uh, created by Patanjali, which is the author of, I shouldn't say author because like it's more like they have been, uh, what is the word, where you interpret they've been interpreted but they are patanjali's yoga sutras which is uh the little snippets of uh mantras or ways of living to live a yogic lifestyle to reach enlightenment is what they say um so the eight limbs of yoga i mean when i first learned this in my teacher training it really kind of solidified the extensiveness of yoga because i don't know about you but i used to just think yoga was doing tree pose <laughs> bit of downward facing dog so that's what I thought yoga was uh, until I learned more and the eight limbs I guess is really a, a snapshot of the path to the yogi's enlightenment mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of the goal like how do we become an enlightened being mm-hmm. follow this path and you will reach there that's mm-hmm. what it says anyway so uh, I guess the eight limbs are yama niyama asana pranayama pratihara dharna Dhyana, Samadhi. And so we're going to go through a quick, I guess, breakdown of each of these. And I thought perhaps just uh, we could talk about how we kind of involve them in our day-to-day life Mm -hmm. because I think that that's important. Um, So let's start with the Yamas. And so the way that I always think about the Yamas is kind of uh, your your moral lines. Like so what lines – do you cross what lines don't you cross and so there's five yamas and the five yamas are ahimsa so this is non-violence or kindness uh satya which is truthfulness and honesty astaya which is non-stealing brahmachara which is technically the ancient yogis would be like um what's the word where you don't have sex uh, celibate, celibate, celibacy, 
Uh, but really, I guess it's more like loyalty. Like that's how I would interpret it. And a parigraha, which is non like uh, detachment. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about these lots before, Emmy. And I guess when you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we definitely have talked a lot. And, you know, it's I think when you hear about life philosophies, it's all about, you know, we should also acknowledge it's it's seeking out, you know, what calls to you. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of relaying information, but, you know, a part of it might be like, oh, I like that, that resonates. But another part might be like, oh, I totally disagree with that and that's totally fine. We experience the same thing. So it's good to mention that, you know, whenever you read philosophy – or anyone else's kind of a way of living, it's not gospel. I think it's important to mention that. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, And I think these kind of ways of like being like externally, because that's what the yamas are, it's like how do you show up in life? Mm. Like so nonviolence, it's like how do you practice that? Like that's kind of what this is all about. Like it's questioning that and it's realising that this these practices come before the asana. Mm. So, like, you're practicing yoga, like, when you're being kind. Yes. Like, that yeah. is what this is trying to explain to us. Yeah. And I think that that uh, is a really important thing to know uh, about yoga. It's like it's not really about the tree pose. Yes. <laughs> it's about how it's you are. Life. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's really important. And so then you move on to the second limb, which is niyama. And this really is, like, more of a way you are internally. So, again, there's five aspects of niyamas. Uh, and they are saucha, which is, I would say, more like detox. It's like cleanliness that can be translated, but also like detoxification, but not like really of the body. It can be, but more of like our thoughts. Mm. And like, well, that's your interpretation because, you know, everyone yeah. will read this and have an interpretation. Someone will be like, yeah, you need to detox, go on a juice cleanse. Like, nope. I don't want to do that. So I'll detox by uh, having awareness of, you know, thoughts that might not be true mm. and detoxing of them. So that's another thing to always remember with, with stuff like this. Everyone has an interpretation. So what we're going to talk about is what how we interpret. Uh, uh, Interpretate. Is that the word? Interpret. Interpret. How we interpret. Yeah, and I think, like, that's a really good point because if you think about the ancient yogic practices, like, in the Hatha Yoga Pratipika, which is like a really fat book of like practices, some of them you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and that's also, it's like a long time has passed Mm. and just like all beliefs and all ways of living and whatever, whatnot, uh, you know, this is kind of what can be dangerous when something is read from a long, long time ago and Mm. then you you think it's true now because actually we live in a whole different scenario and environment and and we've evolved and learnt in certain ways and some things will stay true and some things will not. Mm. Uh, So it's always important, you know, learn these moral lines and these descriptions of how to live life but know that, you know, you have the choice, you go inwards and Mm. that's what this can help you do. Yeah. And I think it's like realizing that we each have our own life philosophy. Yeah. Like, so it's like taking bits and pieces. Like, you don't have to, you can choose to live like one way by the book and by this certain philosophy. But really, like, my preference is to like take a bit. Yeah. Well, I think we also are really big on questioning things. Mm. Uh, question what you were taught, question what you hear, question what you read. So everything can sound so true, right? 
like you scroll on a social media profile and you believe everything they're saying. It's so easy to to be uh, influenced. I think that's like it's so apparent to me in this day and age. And I'm not going to go down a conspiracy theory uh, path. <laughs> But, you know, it's very easy to yeah. see how the human, mm-hmm. ourselves, are very influenced. So I think it's an empowering stance to, you know, it's not about having this like un, like this disbelief in everything you hear. It's more just questioning yeah. and maybe digging a little deeper and, and doing some due diligence. Which is very important. <laughs> Definitely question everything, yeah, right? Um, so the next Niyama, which... This one I feel like is very important to us and it's uh, Santosha, which is contentment, Mm. self-acceptance. And I'm going to urge you not to question this one (laughs) because I really do believe that a self-acceptance practice does provide a level of freedom in life and does Mm. kind of reduce uh, suffering in life and uh, it's very powerful. Yeah. And it's not complacency. It's not uh, sitting and just doing nothing and being like, oh, whatever, I'm practicing Santosha. I don't need to do anything, whatever. It's a very active practice, self-acceptance. Contentment. Yeah. Yes. Contentment, self-acceptance, And gratitude. They're all the same. They They all lead to contentment, really. I think this is the most powerful practice, contentment. Uh, Acknowledging that what you have is enough. Acknowledging that who you are is good enough Mm. uh there's all there's a place for goals and aspirations and yes transformation and change this is all part of it but can we not be content along the way because contentment isn't no stop taking action and stay where you are in this little box that's not contentment contentment is like okay here i am i've got all this and now i'm going to step towards this Mm. and it allows you to walk towards goals and and take these big steps and have these big aspirations in a less suffering way, in a less uh, the grass is greener way. You don't believe that anymore. You're like, okay, here I am, this is great, but I want something else and I'm going to step towards that in a in a content way. Mm. I think this is a life-changing practice, even though it's kind of like a – it's almost like a non-practice practice. Well, no, it's a practice, but it's like, mm-hmm. like it's just because well, you're not doing anything. Yeah, it's just the, how you see things. How you think. It's how you perceive. Which I I know it sounds so simple, but maybe it's very hard. But then once you practice a lot, it becomes simple, almost like a default. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. It is cool. Um, which I think you know, and the niyamas are kind of, and the yamas and niyamas are placed like in order of importance. Like so, like with for example, ahimsa, which is the first. Uh, yama it's like kindness and then I find it fascinating that truth and honesty comes after that yeah so it's kind of this idea uh again when and I'll come back to what I was talking about with the niyamas but like it is interesting like that's how they perceive like so truth and honesty is not as important as being kind and I kind of I have seen moments where that is true like where like you know sometimes the truth doesn't need to be told uh and it's not that you're lying it's more like you're just withholding an aspect of truth that isn't really necessary but it's going to allow someone not to feel pain yeah I think uh you know we can't blanket that stuff Mm. there's one 
one example isn't the same as another mm. example. In some instances, the truth might not be required and kindness is more important. Mm. But in another instance, truth is most important. absolutely important. And even though it will bring, bring pain and heartbreak, it's needed. Yeah. And, of course, we just can't ever blanket that. And even, you know, as I said, we'll question that that order of mm. level importance depending on what we're talking about. So true. And so that's why I think it's interesting because when you were just talking about contentment and, like, this being the most important, but we can still walk toward things that we want. Because yes. next is tapas, which is devoted discipline or mm. uh, devotion to something. And so that's a very doing practice. Like, mm-hmm. that would might be, like, devotion to your family or devotion to a goal and, like, mm. showing up and being disciplined to, like, do the work. Yeah. But it comes after yeah. contentment. So first of all, be content with your life and then go do the things because really it makes the journey so much more enjoyable. And also be kind to yourself before too (laughs) because, you know, like tapas, which whatever it actually translates to is so it – Discipline. That's a Sanskrit word. Like should we explain that? Like nyama and like maybe explain that? True. So all the weird (laughs) words that I'm saying. Because I'm like she's just saying these words like we all know and it's like, wait, what what does this – All of the words that aren't uh, normal English words – are in Sanskrit, which is an ancient yogic language. Yes, okay, And cool. so we call um, – we use Sanskrit. The reason why we still use Sanskrit is because imagine if you were practicing yoga in a different country. Yeah. And so the yoga teachers – we all, as yoga teachers, we all learn Sanskrit. Yes. So I can still describe Trikonasana as Trikonasana and you, when you're in India, know exactly what I'm yeah. saying yeah. even though you only speak English. Yeah. So you know, oh, yeah, triangle pose. Okay, let, okay, me, let yeah. me go. And that's the reason why yeah. it's important that we do learn the Sanskrit version of the – Uh, philosophy and also the poses because when we teach it it can then be uh translated worldwide yeah that's very cool Mm. uh awesome now we know (laughs) uh so tapas yes i mean devotion dedication discipline you know that can also turn into a very addictive and uh, unhealthy obsessive behavior Let's use exercise because, yeah, I'm devoted to my goal Mm. of whatever, but whatever exercise it might be. But that can also become kind of mean and angry as I have experienced. So that's why I do like that level of importance because, yeah, I'm going to be kind to myself first. Yeah. uh, And I'm also going to be content, but I'm going to step towards a goal because I can and I'm devoted to maybe my fitness and my health. And the good thing about your the way that you work out is like your workout is also a dedication to self acceptance. Yeah. So like you've kind of with Mary combined Body, it. We've all we've just combined it. So yes, we're dedicated to our Mary Body practice, but within that practice is a dedication to self acceptance yeah, like itself, that. which is really cool. Um, so then we have Svadhyaya, which is self awareness, self study. I pretty I, I would put this way up more. Important. I know. Well, I think like without self study and self awareness, how can we know what about the other stuff? Yeah, like self awareness is the most important, and make, that's what yoga also helps us do, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're on the mat, sitting in a pose you don't want to be, and stuff comes up, and mm-hmm. you have to be self aware to kind of like I guess re- navigate it. Yeah, navigate it and and take the lessons that come with a, an asana practice. I mean, we talk about self-awareness all the time. It always comes back to self-awareness because if you ever want to make a change or step towards something different, you need to be aware of of where you are in the first place. Uh, it's so important. And, you know, you can be self-aware with just a simple moment of presence, a breath. 
so true. And then last but not least in the Niyamas, and I do think that this potentially is my favourite, uh, is Ishvara Pranidhana. And this is the practice of surrender, mm. letting go. Uh, and the yogis do say that if you just practice this, you will reach enlightenment. And I kind of think that that is true in a way because if you were to practice surrender in every moment, you're probably practicing everything else yeah, as well. True. So like say, for example, you're, you wanted to practice self-acceptance, but then you just practice letting go and surrender. You're also practicing self-acceptance yeah. in a way. Uh, and same with like um, devotion and discipline. Like we want to be devoted, but also we want to surrender to our devotion. So we want to let go of the fruits of our actions. And in doing so, then you're practicing a parigraha, which is detachment, which is the last yama. So it kind of is all interlinked. So mm-hmm. when you kind of look at it, it's all linked. Whenever you practice one, you're usually on the next step to practicing the other, which I think is so cool. And, you know, we've talked about this not with yoga philosophy, but when we talk about things like surrender itself, but also like gratitude. When Mm. we start practicing gratitude, then it kind of filters onto self-acceptance and vice versa. And so really everything is linked. Everything can potentially change another thing, which I think is really cool. But I would say that surrender and Ishvara Pranidhan has been a big part of our lives and a big lesson for us. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I always remember that book, The Surrender Experiment. <laughs> it was very, uh, like, a that book was very meaningful and helped me see things differently. I think what surrender and that idea helps you with is is it le- helps you let go of, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Expectations? Expectations. You know, like, the goals you have and you create, but you don't really mean to. Like maybe it's like I want to be married by a certain age. I want kids by a certain True. age. Or you think your life should look differently. Because, the should be. Yeah, the should be. It's like this is what surrender helps you with. I think, um, you know, it helped me through all my breakups, that surrendering and knowing that maybe this is where I should be going. And, you know, it doesn't work in all cases, like everything we're talking about. It's not all cases, like, like some things are just unfair and you get get angry about it, don't surrender to it, but, you know, eventually you kind of have to to welcome in the, the peace. And I think that's what surrender does help you You do. It gets you towards peace. And maybe, like, you know that word, enlightenment? Like that word doesn't work for me. No, Like neither. what is enlightenment? Like what the hell? Well, the thing is, is like when we do talk about samadhi, which is like this state of bliss, and that's what they would call it. Is it peace, though, as well? Like, is that what it is? No, they – the yogis would explain it as like an like an out-of-body yeah. e- extraterrestrial experience. Like, when I am learning from, you know, Rose, Rose Bowden, yeah. she has not experienced samadhi. Yeah. So, like – you know, this is this is like when the monks would explain like that they had this experience yeah. and it's like they go to another planet. Do you think they just fell asleep and they're dreaming? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Potentially. Like, because sometimes I feel like, you know, when I'm like meditating or like doing some breath work, I feel really weird, but I think I've just fallen asleep for like, a moment. Nope, I'm in Samadhi land. The thing is, as soon as <laughs> as soon as you label it as I'm in Samadhi, you're no longer in Samadhi. Yeah. Because so the ego, huh? Yeah. It's like when someone says, I'm al- I'm enlightened. It's like, no, you're not because you're an ego. Yeah, you can't be an enlightened being by saying you're an enlightened being. It's pretty funny, huh? Yeah. Like, and this is what, um, <laughs> you know, this, this is what, like, I like how I am because, you know, I'm questioning all this stuff and and it's like, 
you know, you can really see how easily you can get sucked into all this stuff yeah. and, you know, get so wrapped up in it that you lose yourself and mm-hmm. your identity and your own perspective and your own opinions. I think it's really important to stay inward as well. Like, you know, use all these lessons, but like, like have like ground yourself in it and like know that, you know, you are this person who can have different thoughts and different opinions mm-hmm. too. It's important, I think, to say that. Definitely. I agree. Um, so now we've covered the yamas and niyamas, which is the way – so yamas, the way we kind of portray ourselves externally, like decisions we make, morals, ethics, lines we don't cross or do cross. And then we've got niyamas, which is how we kind of uh, observe ourselves internally mm. and how we are internally. Of course, well, how we are internally also comes out how we are externally, mm. uh, how we think leads to actions, et cetera, et cetera. So from there we move to asana, and asana is the postures, the poses. Traditionally, there was one asana, and that was sitting cross-legged. Uh, and then the the reason why we're sitting in asana is to meditate and to breathe yeah. and to practice uh, dhyana and dana and pratyahara and pranayama. Uh, but then we continued, we, the ancient yogis, continued to create poses in order to sit for longer periods of time with less discomfort. Yeah. So everyone knows Take yourself back to primary school. How awful did it feel to sit cross-legged for a long period of time? And then you would get up and you'd want to stretch and, like, you'd, you'd – Well, I and just – the older you got, like, the no, harder yeah. it got. See, I remember thinking, like, when I was young it was so easy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was no problem. And then you got older and then you start mm. to be restless or you get tight hips. I've got tight But hips. I remember being in assembly and being, like, mm, like, a bit restless and, like, wanting to, like, stretch my legs oh, out. Oh, yeah, true, true. Or sitting in school because we sat on the ground in, in like, primary, in primary, primary school, school, didn't we? Like, till year Or, like, at the three. start. Or year two, I think we sat How on. funny. No, we okay. must have had desks as well. You sit on the ground at the start of a lesson. Yeah, and then yeah. you had desks. Like you do your roll call. Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. God, I can't even remember. Kindy, yes. Kindy, year one, year did two. Did you have desks? Mu- we must have had desks. We had desks. desks. Yeah. How funny. We did something, Kindy, didn't we? <laughs> we just play on the ground. I have no idea. Anyway, there's some random memories. Isn't it funny how memories just disappear? Mm. Weird. Mm-hmm. The mind is <laughs> feeble. Uh, so... Asana. Asana. So isn't it crazy that, like, you know, Western culture, and I mean, like, God, we could go down so many segues for this podcast topic, but I won't. Um, Asana, I thought this was yoga, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is yoga, but it's such a small aspect of actual proper traditional yoga. It's only one limb. One limb. (laughs) The asana. And it's actually only sitting. It's like none of these crazy poses or flows that's why handstands. It makes me very excited, actually. Yeah, it's because cool. I think that what probably social media has done is made us believe that yoga needs to look a certain way, and yeah. that it needs to be. You need to be able to do the handstand and the fancy splits and whatever else, the back bend. Actually, no, that's not what yoga is at all. Yeah, like yoga is more about sitting and it's- being. Yeah. And going inward. Wow. And it's not about the matching yoga pants what? and cute yoga crop top. Oh, my God. Are you sure? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, I am. Me too. So then from the asana, because we won't spend that long on it, I mean, yeah, the this way of moving can make you feel good. It definitely brings me into the present moment. It definitely helps me feel grounded. I love a good stretch. It makes me feel good. I like to stretch my hips. makes me feel good. Well, I mean, like when you have pain in your body, like tight hips, like – that 
really can take mm. over. I mean, this is just this, like it's not even a bad pain, really. It's just from too much sitting, tight, tight tightness. Yeah, yoga helps you feel less tightness. Mm. So, I mean, there's so much magic in movement, obviously. The feel-good hormones, it helps to release oxytocin, uh, dopamine, uh, all of those that are serotonin. Serotonin. Endorphins. Like this stuff makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. And that's why we love moving every day because it just makes you feel good, makes you feel better. And then I think the most important thing to remember is like, so asana is third, right? And we just talked about the yamas and niyamas. So asana should never be like, have a goal of you to be able to like reach some certain level of handstand like wow. that's not what it's about because then you've just left the yamas and the yamas out the door yeah and you forgot about that you forgot about the internal practice of contentment you forgot about the detachment the detaching yourself you forgot about surrender surrender the fruits of your practice yeah. You forgot about that it's so cool really isn't it and that, like that's why you really liked this color because you are a typical Virgo type A personality. You like frameworks. Mm. You like outlines, right? Yeah. Like that's why this resonates so much to you um, because it showed how to do life in a way that you were already kind of doing anyway. Like, Yeah, there was kind of, yeah, it was like almost like when I learned these, I was like, oh, like, this is like how I want to live. And now there's like some kind of like step-by-step process. And it's not like it's a process to life, but kind of just like, as you say, I mean, guides like of like to help you make decisions and to help you guide you through life. And like when you do come across something in life, it's like, am I going to choose to do that in this way or that way? Yeah. And And I mean, it's a good way to teach morals and things. Like I wonder, like I don't have kids, but like, like, how do you teach people to have morals? Like, that's important, mm. right? Like, we don't really learn that at school. Like, I guess you do in that, like, you get in trouble when you do something wrong. But, like, isn't it funny mm. to think, like, I guess you just watch your parents and you learn, oh, yeah, like, my parents are kind people and yeah. generous people and caring people. I think that there was sometimes rules, like classroom rules. Yeah. Like, it was like, be kind, yeah, put your yeah, hand up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of like how we're taught as kids. Mm. Um so, like, Respect your elders. all these frameworks are similar in a way, aren't they? Like, they're all ways to do life, mm. ways to connect and create your own morals mm. and ethics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we have pranayama, which can be translated to life force control. Sometimes people would call it breath work. But prana isn't necessarily the breath. Prana is, like, the... The energy that is like just beneath the skin and it kind of like if you were to put your hands on your thighs and close your eyes and like just imagine like your palms and like try and feel your palms Mm. and you can kind of feel like a little bit of a tingling energy and Mm. that's your prana. Um, The reason why we do the breath work control is because the breath also impacts the pranic energy. Mm. So... That's why we do that. Uh, I really like breath work. The reason why I like breath work is because it can really de-stress you. My certain doesn't. ones. Uh, some breath work I don't like. Like I don't necessarily love Kapalabhati breath, which is like skull yeah. shining breath, which is designed to kind of like clear the mind out. But I also find it can uh, be almost like a hyperventilation, which I don't love. 
I don't like that one either. It makes me feel like dizzy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make me feel good. But whereas Nadi Shohana, alternate nostril breathing, that makes me feel great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that breath work. Uh, it makes me feel calm. It changes my feeling in just you know a few minutes. Six, yeah, six breaths is all it takes uh, for me to go from feeling a little bit, you know, from going from feeling. Like I thought I was fine, but then when I do the Nadi Shodhana, it's like, wow, like I feel far more calm now, far more peaceful. Uh, Everything is slower and more relaxed. Which is so strange, isn't it? Well, like I didn't know that I was feeling anxious before. I didn't know I was feeling stressed and I didn't know I was kind of operating at this high frequency and this breath work helped me kind of lower my frequency and feel more grounded mm. and I think you know that's very cool because you know I, di- I didn't even have the awareness that I needed it mm. so it's like okay that's a good daily practice then <laughs> yeah I think that I really like these practices as well because you can do them anywhere anytime yeah like you know the asana is also great I love I love the yoga practice but I also like that you can just kind of pull this out no one knows you're actually doing it when you're counting in yeah. for four and out for four well um but you're calming your body down and de-stressing yourself it's very cool yeah and i think that these days we are operating with high levels of stress and bringing awareness to our breath can change that so that is why pranayama is really powerful uh nadi shodhana definitely my favorite too yeah, me too. Love that one. Love it, love it. So then we move to Pratihara, which is sense withdrawal. So this is talking like with like closing your eyes. Like so now you're withdrawing out of sight or like blocking your ears. So now you're withdrawing out of sound. Um, taste. Mm. Uh, what are the other senses? Smell. Touch. I don't really know what smell. What I've, I've ever done a practice in yoga about smell. Touch. Yeah. So – the reason why we practice this is because our senses offer distraction. Mm. So they also tell us how life is, right? They're also very important. Uh, like sense of smell tells us when there's a fire, when something's dangerous yeah. or when something's delicious. Uh, sense of sight helps us to see things clearly and to to see people's faces and recognize people. Um, they're very important. It's not about like withdrawing senses completely mm. uh, if you have the privilege to have all of them. Mm. Uh, it's more about using a practice in a moment of time to withdraw. Yeah. Like closing your eyes in a meditation is yeah. going to reduce distraction. Well, I mean, closing your eyes allows you to go inwards mm. because instead of seeing what's around you and having creating narrative around what you're seeing, you don't have that. Mm. Uh I mean, really, that's the only sense deprivation work I've ever done, I think. Have like you ever done yoga. Um, like the pranayama where you block your ears? I think maybe I did with you. And it's like did buzzing. It. You do like yeah, a buzzing. Yeah. Of like, like You do like mm, Yeah, like, yeah. So you block I mean, ears. that it's. I think like going underwater is quite True. a magical practice, like going under the ocean or even in a pool. Mm. Like that's quite magical really, isn't it? Like mm where your hearing is gone, it's muffled. So that's cool. That is cool. That's like a pranayama. A pratihara. Pratihara. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then we have, so. (laughs) That's the breath one. It is the breath one. 
How do we remember that? How do how did I remember that? I can't really remember. I just remember that Pranayama came before. She Kanshihara. doesn't remember how she remember, but she does remember. Well, She's got I, a good memory. I like to have like little things like yeah, that like, help you remember. Like when you're teaching this, you have to be have like the little yeah. rhyme, like yoga, yama, yama, sauna. Okay, okay. What's next? Oh, yeah, it's like the, when you're remembering the periodic table. Yeah. How did that go? Hydrogen, lithium, beryllium, boron, oh, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. Like, how do I remember that? It's from a song I learned in year eight science, but it stops there and maybe it's wrong. All you <laughs> scientists, you're like, no, nope, that was completely wrong. I but thought, I thought hydrogen. Isn't hydrogen first? Yeah, but what's hydrogen. Next? Is it, is it oxygen lithium? next? Hydrogen, oxygen, oxygen lithium, beryllium. Yeah, know. maybe it's that. God, I don't know. But anyway, there was a song. Song that, helps you remember yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, it's rhythm. like. It's like the rainbow, red and yellow and All the alphabet. M. Oh, yeah, A, B, C, D, E. How funny. But it's cool that you made up a little song or you got taught yeah. by a song yes. because it helps you remember. It does. Yeah. And, like, cool. I mean, there's a lot of chanting in yoga. Yes. So, like, that is how you do remember all True. the mantras and things. Wow. So you chant it because then you're, like, you've got the rhythm. Well, it's like how we remember songs. Like, isn't it crazy how you listen to a song that you haven't heard in, like, 10 years and you're like, wow, I still know all the words. Like, it's ingrained in my memory. It's so cool. It's like, yeah, yeah you just pick it out of the bank of like, songs that you the? remember. <laughs> crazy. Um, so the sixth limb is Dharna, so D-H-A, Dharna, and this is focused concentration. So it's not meditation. Oh. It's when we're like kind of focusing or maintaining the thoughts. And like being present. Yeah, yeah. but it is it is like you would sit. It's like oh, the beginning okay. of a meditation. Okay. So like you're not in a meditation state yet, but you're practicing Dharna. Okay. And so you're just breathing and you're just focusing. You're maintaining your focus. Okay, yes, I my mind is not going crazy. Yeah. I'm here. Here I am breathing. That would be Dharna. Cool. Uh, I think that you can also use like – um, one of the practices we did was like focusing on a flame of a candle. Mm. That's a practice of dharma. That's, I've done that and that's quite uh, that's quite amazing really. Yeah, it's quite fun. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, that is very cool. They say that that – the ancient yogis, they say um, that that's also like a mind-cleansing tool. So it's like the fire burns in your mind. Well, it's kind of enchanting to mm. watch a flame dance around. Mm, it is. I mean like – on a candle, mm-hmm. not in a wildfire, but like, you know, a little single flame in the dark room. Like, it's very spectacular. And then you it's can so take, small, but spectacular. You can close your eyes and you'll see the flame for ages yeah. after, which is pretty cool. Well, that's probably just like a, you know, you stare at a light and you, you see the same the thing. <laughs> it's like, wait, I, if I stare like, at your face, I yeah, my yes. eyes, I'm still seeing your I'm, face. I think that's just some science. science. Science can explain that. Sorry, it's not. A magic it's yoga. <laughs> it's not magic. None but, of this, guys. None of this is magic. Let me just tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I, none of this is magic. I think you know these ancient things. Though they have this sense of magic, and it's fine to like feel a sense of magic because it's fun, right? But it's good to not dive too deep into a delusioned world. Mm-hmm. Like it's like have reality, have magic. You can meet in the middle. You can you can believe science and magic and live a. Live in a world where your feet are on the ground, 
Like, yeah. that's important. I think the sense of magic I would invite you to take is more like a sense of wonder. Yeah, like curiosity. And like, wow, like, I feel great. Yeah, and, like, like you can see magic in this. You you look at nature and there is magic. Yeah, it's the magic in the mundane, the magic yeah. in the normalness, yep. the normalcy. Yeah, like, like that. Like your your meditation practice isn't taking you somewhere else. Yes. Like meditation is not designed to do that. Meditation is to help you do life. That's why like the, the transcendental like doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, and if it appeals to you, go for it. But what I would prefer to do is to meditate so then when I come out of my meditation, I'm able to walk through life yeah. and I'm able to see life just as it is no judgment of people of things no narrative that is yeah. taking me for a ride meditation helped me walk through life and just like yeah not i like suffer that and i think um myself you know and there's a lot of appeal i guess for the transcendental take me on a journey i mean there's a lot of romanticism about you know that as well and also like it's also like art linked to all these mm. old stories uh but I really like the idea that meditation is just to help you get through life and like mm-hmm. to see things as they are. Me too. So then we go to Diana, which is D H Y. So we had Dharna. Now we have Diana. So it's kind of confusing. Why did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> but this is when you're like they say you're truly meditating. It's like a meditative absorption. Like you're in your meditation and like no one or thing can interrupt you. Cool. And they probably last for like a moment <laughs> like you know like it's like it's like oh, i'm there i'm there oh nope gone yeah hang on a minute i'm not there anymore and then from there we move into samadhi and so this is kind of like the idea of when we're in shavasana lying on the ground full surrender mm. let go i just want to like let go of everything bodies melting into the ground yeah. and then maybe you go to some bliss land where it's just like everything is magical i've never been there before um some people would say they've had some kind of experience, mm. some heart explosion, like whatever. I've had things like that, but I wouldn't say that I've been to some, like had samadhi. Like, well, I've had experiences not like crazy, just like where I feel like immense love and gratitude. Yeah. And like I don't know if that is samadhi or if it's not. Well, I think whatever it is, it's a good feeling, mm. right? And the cool thing is you can tap into that in all, like you don't have to be I don't believe you have to be in Savasana no. for that. Uh, you can feel that in many ways. I mean, I you can look up to the sky yeah, and feel it. Yeah, you can. You can look at someone you love and feel it. You can just have immense gratitude for your life and feel it. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. I guess it's something like a. Is it a goal to get there? Like, or does that mean like as soon as you add it as a goal, it's kind of like that doesn't make any sense? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a goal. I think it's just like I guess this is just the path to a description. It's just like yeah, I don't think they meant it to be a goal. I don't think that when they were when Patanjali was writing this, he was like, and everyone should have the goal of being enlightened and reaching samadhi. I just think maybe that was the the product of practicing this yeah and he was like oh i think this is what that is yeah like everyone it's everything is a thought right everything is just what someone thinks potential experiences but it's not the most important part like yeah it's all it's all interconnected it's all important it's all important and like that's the thing like samadhi is a moment yeah, okay. Like, so it's not like we reach enlightenment and we are now walking on water. <laughs> like that's not how it is. Yeah. Like it's not like we become a different version of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. 
It's not like suddenly I'm enlightened and now I'm like have an aura yeah. of like pure white, pure what what do they call pure white light or pure indigo light. Yeah, yeah, I see, it's I not see. That. Huh, well, this has been fun. I feel like I've learned a lot, like, hearing you take us all through the eight limbs of yoga. Yeah, I mean, this is probably, like, what I would have learned in my first two, like, one to four lessons of yoga. This mm. is what we kind of covered, like, the eight limbs. When you were training. When I was doing my yeah. training. So, of my, boy, I guess, my first 200-hour training. Yeah. Uh, and in every future training, we always come back to this. Yeah. Like, it's always reiterated. Yeah because it is a clear pathway, I guess, and just kind of allows us to – it allows us to put things in places. Yeah. Like, you know, when you want to, like, compartmentalise things and be mm. like, that belongs there, that belongs there, and it helps you remember. Very cool. Mm. Ah. Yay. Well, if you've got more questions about this, reach out, let us know, or if something resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you again, and we'll put all the links to our other yoga philosophy podcasts in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to those as well. Okay. Bye. Bye. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.